and welcome to this week's edition of The Edge, the official podcast of Bass Edge Television, brought to you by our good friends at Ditchwitch. Bass Edge Television is currently on WFN Network, and we are also on the Wild TV Network in Canada, and we will be back on the Versus Network in beautiful January of 2009. This is Outdoors Dan. I've got good friend Aaron Martin alongside, and Aaron, I understand we're going to be hearing from Mr. Green this week. Yeah, on a, you know, it's a topic that I don't want to say is, is controversial, but it's on versatility. You know, it kind of answers the question of do I need to master one technique or uh, should I really try and be a jack-of-all-trades and what is the impact that that has on kind of at the end of the day? Well, I'm looking forward to it, and then we're going to go in the Inside Edge segment, and I hear that uh, Troy's wife said he's heck of a man. <laughs> yeah, the old Troy Heckman with the uh, Collegiate Bass Anglers Association, our good friend there, he's going to give us a full run rundown of what's going on and uh, it's something that you don't want to miss because what is happening inside of that organization is uh, truly amazing all right well folks i'll tell you what we're going to do we're going to head on over aaron you ready i'm ready we'll be right back it's all right here for you on the edge you're listening to the edge the official audio program of bass edge brought to you in part by ditch which is on experience the revolution Oh, look here. I got one. I got one. Look here. <laughs> I mean, he whacked that football jig. The blades will dictate a lot of times the speed of the retrieve or the depth of that bait. Oh, good fish. Good fish. Did you see him come off that log? Woo, look at that stuff gun, man. That's awesome. You know, you've got to just stay active. Fishing is not easy. Oh, man, that's a toad. This is unbelievable. Hi, welcome to the Edge Outdoors, Dan, along with Aaron Martin, and I, I got to tell you, Aaron, not too much longer. It's going to start. Yeah, <laughs> I bet I know what you're talking about. As a matter of fact, you kind of read my mind because you know through my travels, I have been seeing a lot of deer uh, out in the field. So you got to be pretty excited about that. Yeah, I've already got like five off my tree stand on my trail camera over 160 inches. Good grief! Yeah, and uh, I've got them on the website already. They want to take a look, but. I'm I'm really getting excited. The deer have got about another two weeks of growing, and then they're going to start uh, rubbing that velvet off. And before you know it, September 15th is going to be here, and I'm going to start swinging some arrows. There you go. Well, you know, one of the questions I'm always curious is, you know, we have the, the capability now with through some of the aqua views and the side-finding technology on the, the electronics with fishing to look at fish. You know, the, the trail cameras that you use, does that you know, mess with your confidence. You know, we talked to Dr. Fish, Dr. J. McNamara, a lot about that type of thing, getting into, you know, your mental psyche. Does that mess with you as a hunter by seeing those pictures? Of the deer? Yeah, of the deer, of knowing no, what's out there. Can't you see me salivating through the phone? I mean, <laughs> no, actually, you know, the way I look at trail cameras, honestly, is it's a very good way to go in and scout your area with little impact. So, you know, as important it is to get into an area for fishing, if you're side fishing and you want to stealthily get in on that fish, it's the same thing for a deer hunter. You want to get into from your stand. You want to be totally scent-free, control your scent control. And then, you know, with uh, the way you approach a trail camera is the way I go hunting. I take a scent-free shower before I go. I get all the bacteria off of me. I take my uh, rough-and-tough buggy, right, which is totally electric. We've talked about that before. So there's no scent whatsoever. All the batteries, the same thing on your boat. Those AGM batteries right. are totally sealed, so there's no gases escaping, and you don't have any fuel. And you go in there, you take your SD card in and out, you pop out, and, I mean, you're in there in five minutes, you're gone. And you can see what's coming through there. You see what, what you know, travel corridors are working and which ones aren't. And uh, to me, they're a very, very good tool to scout your area and to know what you have in there without messing it up. Well, see, I, and that's interesting because I guess I, I look at it from the, the fishing side. You know, you lower an aqua view or something down there, and, 
it's uh, depressing on all the fish that uh, that we leave. But it also it provides a tremendous uh, amount of education on how the fish are relating to cover, and I'm sure it's the the same way for deer. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? It's the hardest part about all that is waiting the week before you go change the <laughs> yeah. camera out again because it's yeah. driving you nuts to see what's going by your stand. Right. right. Yeah. Well, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I guess you're gearing up. Of course, you know, your television show, Outdoor Traditions, is currently on. Uh, right now as we speak, and I guess you're getting ready to, to gear up for your next filming. Yeah, we start filming for 09, uh, September 2nd, so things are, things are, actually, uh, Jeff's already in Canada, up in Alaska filming a caribou hunt right now. Oh, so it's, wow. It's, it's pretty crazy. Hey, you know, you're heading to California, aren't you? Yeah, and I, speaking of salivating, you know, the countdown is on, because uh, we're going out to, to actually film three shows out there uh, with just uh, three top-notch anglers. Don't want to disclose that yet, but whenever you hear uh, who that is coming down the pipeline. It is going to be exciting. Also going uh, there to the Delta in Clear Lake. So, uh, you know, certainly have the opportunity to catch not only numbers, but also some very, very big fish. Yeah, I want to see you with those 12-inch swim bait rainbow trout. <laughs> yeah. I want to see that show. That's going to put my ardent reels to the test, you know, making those long casts. I cannot wait. Yeah, if you can't if you can't reel them in, you can just beat them then submission with them things. That's man. right, that's right. Th- those things are crazy. Hey, and I hear you're going to actually stay home and fish. I am. You know, I've got a little bit of a lull, and, uh, of course, I always jokingly, just because of our travels, I, I don't get to spend a lot of uh, time uh, fishing Table Rock anymore, but uh, I'm going to take an opportunity here uh, next week. I've actually got it in my calendar, so that means it will not be removed, but I'm going to get on Table Rock and do some, you know, vertical fishing, deep fishing, elect- using my electronics, uh, throwing a drop shot, and, you know, spoon. So looking very forward to that. I'll be right down. That's right. Yeah, that's pretty cool. All right, well, I tell you what, we got a great segment coming up with uh, FLW Pro, Jerry Green. You ready to go? I'm ready. All right, folks, we'll be right back on The Edge. Give any type of boat the edge with MegaWare Keel Guard. It's simple to install, and we can now beach our boat anywhere. If you own a boat, you need one of these. MegaWare Keel Guard protects the keel of your boat from sand abrasion, from underwater obstructions, even concrete boat ramps. Kit started under $140. And best yet, it's guaranteed to keep on protecting for life. Thanks, MegaWare KeelGuard. Thanks, MegaWare KeelGuard. Welcome back to The Edge. Brought to you in part by Ditch Witches On. Establishing a new standard in trencher power and versatility. All right, we are back on the edge, and joining us this week for the Angler Spotlight is FLW Touring Pro and String Competitor, and that is Mr. Jerry Green. Jerry, thanks so much uh, for being part of the edge. Hey, thanks for having me, Aaron. You know, Glad Jerry, it, well, it, I tell you what, I'm excited to have you because we are going to be talking about a uh, really a little bit of a controversial topic, and it seems that uh, there's differing opinions out there, and that is on the subject of versatility. But before we uh, kind of dive off into that, you've really had a great year both on the FLW Tour and also the Strin. You know, you're setting fifth place, I think, in the Strin Series, uh, sixth place in the Angler of the Year um, FLW and you're on your way, basically, to uh, Lake Murray there in South Carolina to be able to fish for a million dollars. Yeah, Aaron, uh, i tell you what, it's, it's great to be uh, qualified for the Horsewood Cup, and you're right, we, we've been blessed this year with a, with a really good year. We're tickled to be doing so well. Well, um, you know, I know one of the other things is if you're not busy enough, you know, traveling around with all the tournaments, you've been in the process of trying to move all the way from Del Rio, Texas, uh, there to Coleman, Alabama. Yeah, Aaron, I, I tell you, that moving now, I remember why I didn't want to move again. <laughs> it's been about four years since we moved, and, and uh, I'd forgotten 
uh, what this was all about. But I tell you, it's it's been a it's been a chore. Well, and you know, w- were you moving to for the purpose of of getting closer to other bodies of water, or uh, what's what's kind of behind that decision? Well, Aaron, the reason we moved. Uh, is we we lived on Lake Amstead, which is one of the best lakes in the country, and I sure hate to leave there. But fishing professionally, uh, we we travel all over from Florida to Alabama to Arkansas and up north. It it was just so far for us to drive from Amstead to anywhere that we fish that we decided to relocate in a more central location, especially with the gas prices like they are. It was just financially getting in, getting to it. Uh, well, you know, you br- you bring up a good point there, and and uh, just to touch on that briefly, because that's something that we have had discussions here. We've had uh, Jay McNamara talking about how you know, kind of having the the added expenses now in the back of your mind as an angler, whether it be recreationally or even as a tournament angler, you know, how that plays into kind of the outcome of your fishing day. Uh, in your case specifically, you know, has that kind of that those rising gas prices, has that made you change kind of your approach uh, to when you, you head out and, and fish a tournament? You know, it really hasn't. Uh, I do this for a living, and I uh, can't let that, that's such a small part of, uh, of the, whole, the whole puzzle. Financially, it's, it's, it's a great obstacle, but I, I don't let it affect me during practice. I, I don't say, well, I'm not going to run all the way up the river today and practice because it's going to cost me $100. I've got, you know, like this next tournament, I've got a million dollars on the line if you win. And sure. that $100 trip up the river could be, you know, make the difference in that. So I, I try not to let that affect the way I practice, for sure. Well, and, you know, speaking of, of practice and, and fishing and being out on the water, you know, I, I would like to go ahead and, and tackle uh, that topic of, of versatility. And, you know, just to kind of start out of, 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 I guess, Webster's definition of versatility, you know, what they say is that, that competent at many things and adaptable uh, to many uses or functions. You know, what is your opinion on versatility and, and how big of a role does that play for anglers, whether they're tournament anglers or just recreational fishermen? Well, Aaron, I, I think it plays a big role. Uh, I've, I've tried to be more versatile in the last couple of years just simply because uh, there's 200 of us out there practicing for uh, up until this year some of them would practice for two weeks so it's very important to be versatile fishing can change and shallow water stuff that i generally like to do uh, gets beat up and well it's and, real important to be to be versatile well and you know talking about just from a whether it be a tournament position or you know, there's a lot of anglers out there that, that just fish recreationally. You know, the waters, uh, obviously, that we like to see because the sport is, um, you know, very popular. But when you have, you know, conditions, let's say, that maybe um, kind of has a, a power fishing bite going on or maybe a flipping bite, you know, you, you really almost have to throw out the fact that no one else has found that same pattern or, or that same, uh, you know, technique that's going on across the lake. And, you know, how... How many patterns or um, you know styles of fishing do you try and, and get in place uh, when when you're targeting fish? Well, I try to you know depending on the, the season or the the time of year that we're fishing, I, I basically try to pick out the best pattern for that time of year and uh, and work from there. And I may have a you know if it's a deep water bite, drop shot, crankbait, or so football head, Carolina rig, 
and I'm not just a lot of people just focus on like a like a football head. That's all they'll throw. Right. You know, when I I try to, you know, I've thrown a crankbait a lot now, and I've thrown the football head. You know, I just try to mix it up. I've got confidence, a lot of confidence in in all the different techniques. So, is it safe to say that basically you're taking seasonal conditions and then looking at that particular seasonal condition? and really investigating all the different, uh, and, and really staying open-minded to maybe multiple patterns that might be going on within that seasonal condition and making sure that you check each of those out? Yes, that's exactly right, Aaron. You know, one of the questions that I often get, Jerry, and I'm sure you do too, I mean, it's, it's pretty uh, widespread, and that is the topic of, you know, should anglers really master more of a one style of bait or technique or is it better to be more or less a, you know, kind of a jack-of-all-trades, I guess? Well, Aaron, I, I think it's helped me to be more versatile. Like I say, I, I used to throw a spinnerbait all the time, and there's just, there's times that they're just, they won't, they won't eat it. I mean, you see some of the big names, uh, Denny Breyer and whatnot, that has stuck with flipping, constantly flipping, and he's had a good, good career doing it, but there's also a lot of times where flipping isn't, isn't the strong pattern there, and you, you can't stay consistent, especially with these 200-man fields. You've got to be able to change it up and, and do some different stuff. Great point there because, you know, it, it's kind of like you, you can't force-feed the fish uh, into biting what you think they should be biting. You know, um, one of the jokes, the running jokes that we always have is, you know, obviously fish don't read the books and watch the, uh, you know, the, the DVDs and all those other things, and if we are so narrow-minded of not willing to make that adjustment or, you know, just try something else, um, chances are we're going to have a pretty lousy day. Yeah, Aaron, that's right. And uh, it's funny you say that. I, I kid with a lot of my son and other people that I fish with that, uh, you know, these fish obviously haven't watched Bill Dan. Really. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's it's real important to be versatile and keep an open mind. That's, that's the big thing, just keep an open mind and don't be scared to try something new or something, you know, you, you hear for years, you know, you, I always thought that if if it was sunny, well, you know, in high sun and clear day, you couldn't you couldn't catch fish on the top water. Well, that's the furthest thing from the truth. Sure. You know, some sometimes in the summer, that's the that's the best time to to throw a top water when the sun's high. Well, no no oh. question, and I know that you know spinner baits obviously are, are one of your strengths and and have been very effective. Uh, at positioning you throughout the course of your career and and basically winning a lot of money. But I also know that um, there have been times to where, you know, you probably thought coulda, woulda, shoulda, you know, that they, they would have been on the spinnerbait or eating it better than what they were, but you had to break away and do something else. Yeah, that, that's right. And that, that happens all the time where we, we just have to change up. Sometimes just during the course of the day you have to change up, not just too much, uh, you know, the pattern for the whole tournament. Right. Well, and I know that the question of when to change, in other words, when to break away and, okay, so I'm going to step away from the spinnerbait, that, that's somewhat of a, of a tough question to answer just because, you know, some of it is off of instinct, some of it is off of past experience. But could you maybe help our listeners understand on what some of the, you know, the indicators are that you use of, okay, you know, this isn't working. I've got to do something else. And uh, when you know that it's time to, to make that decision and head in a different direction? You know, I use my instincts. For, you know, I've fished for quite a few years, and, and it's just an instinct thing. The best way, you know, if, if you go an hour and you, you're throwing a spinnerbait, you go an hour, 
in an area that you know there's fish, you need to switch it up and try something else. Get a little deeper. Try top water. You really got to mix it up. But I'd say an hour, you know, if you, if you haven't gotten bit in an hour and you know there's fish in the area, you definitely need to change it up. Right. Well, I think that's great advice. I mean, because eventually you can... You know, like we talked about earlier, if you're trying to force feed the fish, before you know it, your day's over and it's uh, uh, it's on to the next day and maybe you don't have an extra day of vacation left to be able to stay out there on the lake or what have you. And then you're looking back from, you know, from a standpoint of regret. Um, you know, to speaking of versatility, I know one of the things that we've been really focusing on up until this point has been more along the lines of lures and styles and techniques. But you also have to be versatile from the standpoint, if, if you're fishing in the north versus the south, east to west, you know, that's, there's always that common adage out there that a lot of anglers use, a bass is a bass. But bottom line is you have to be versatile in the, um, you know, type of structure that you can actually fish and making sure that you're getting the bait in the strike zone. That's right, Aaron. And in the tour, we, they do, they spread us out. We fish toho and it's shallow and grassy and, you know, you, you've got certain techniques that work in that. And then we go out to a highland reservoir where it's deep and clear. And uh, really, the only structure you have is rock. So it's very important to be personal. Well, what about as far as, you know, are there, you know, some points that you could give us, let's say, if, if an angler is not familiar with a grass lake or, or fishing docks or, um, you know, going to a, a different style of lake, uh, are there always certain areas that you will check out first, regardless of if it has grass or docks or anything like that? Uh, that are more of the high percentage areas? Yeah, Aaron, uh, like a real good high percentage area, the first place I check a lot of time is a, is a, what I call a neck down. It can be created by several different structures, but the best one is like bridge crossings where you have a levee that goes across mm-hmm. a, a huge bay, and uh, they'll use that path, you know, like you have a small bridge across that levee. Sure, kind of like a funnel. Ever, yeah, and, uh, and I try to concentrate on those areas. And what you want to do when you're fishing one of those bridge areas or any kind of neck down, you want to get on the downwind side of it, and those fish will position themselves uh, around that neck down to catch bait. And then normally, are you are you going to try a, a multitude of lures, or is there going to be a lure that you're going to go after first? You know what works really well is a crankbait in that situation. Uh, a lot of times, it's, it's rock that is all around the bridge area, mm-hmm. and... Uh, the crankbait just works real good in the in the rock area. Well, I think that's great advice because obviously, you know, with like you had mentioned, with uh, the whether it be wind current or natural current that's coming through there, uh, you know, fish loves the the opportunity to to stage up and and have an ambush point. Yes, that's that's right. They make their living doing that. Well, listen, Jerry, in our last closing minute here, I know one of the other things that talking about versatility that has helped you along the way. You really select rods based upon. Uh, what you're using those rods for. So instead of having just a kind of a universal rod that works for uh, across the board, you really get into more of the technique focus. Can you touch on that just very briefly and uh, what you mean by that? Yeah, and uh, part of my success this year has been because I, I haven't lost hardly any fish. I've fished real clean. And uh, the difference is I've come across a, a tackle company, a rod company named Power Tackle. And uh, they have a they design a rod that for every technique, it's specific for every technique, and uh, that is so important. To when you're throwing a rattle trap, you can't throw a rattle trap on the same rod that you flip a jig with. Uh, you can't throw a spinner bait on the same rod that you flip a jig with. Or you can, but you're going to end up losing a lot of fish. You hear, you know, all these stories all the time. 
at the loading ramps, you know, oh, I, I lost the big one. Right. Well, what will help that tremendously is get you a, a rod that's specifically designed for the lure that you're throwing. And that's what Power Tackle uh, has done. Well, and, and I know, you know, one of the things I look at is it's kind of like always comparing it to golf. You know, you're not going to use, you know, a sand wedge off the tee box to, to make, you know, your, your drive shot. And, and it's all very similar uh, within the fishing. I mean, there's technique-specific rods that, that do certain things that are going to give you the, the advantage on making sure that you're getting the kind of maximizing the presentation. But also, once you get that fish on, make sure that it's, it's uh, you know, capable of, of fighting and landing that fish because the, the worst feeling in the world is actually to have, you know, that, that fish come up halfway on on its way to the boat. Hey, yes, sir. It is. It's a, it's a bad feeling to see one get off. Well, Jerry, speaking of... Uh, heading out we are unfortunately out of time but i must tell you my friend it has been a great interview and certainly uh looking forward to hearing in the next couple of days uh what comes out of the tournament there at lake murray wish you the best of luck in in cashing in on that million dollars and uh thank you so much for being part of the edge i appreciate it Aaron. thank y'all for having me you know, Aaron, that Jerry Green, he's a quiet man. Yeah, yeah. No, I think he had plenty to tell us, actually, from the standpoint of, of versatility, you know. And and I, I think that shows in, in his success, you know, fishing two different tours, both the FLW Tour being sixth in Angler of the Year points there, you know, heading out this week to fish for a million bucks, and then also fifth in the Angler of the Year uh, in the Strand Series, you know, it, it, it kind of proves that uh, that he's probably right on some of his opinions. Man, now see, if it was me fishing for a million bucks, you couldn't shut me up. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Jerry's just right to the point, and he really doesn't expand on anything. I mean, he, you know, he, what a, it's really refreshing to see somebody at that level that can talk about how to be different, you know, more versatile in your approach. You know, you can't be committed or locked into one way, but don't expand or bloviate about it. I mean, that's really a refreshing interview. Yeah, very much so. And, and you know, we, we can overcome complicate things I think a lot of times by you know just over talking and and trying to say too much Jerry on the other hand he's very very confident in what he does obviously mm-hmm. we've already talked about that that's proven in his results but by just making it simple and just stating his opinion and that's kind of what he goes by he doesn't try and convince you know others that that's the only way but basically I think the statement that he's making is hey this is what works for me being able to share that with uh, our listeners and, and Bass Edge fans um, you know, I, I think it'll ultimately help you put more fish in the boat. And I just can't imagine the pressure that's got to be. I mean, it's got to be exhilarating on one end, but there's got to be just a tremendous amount of pressure fishing for that kind of money. Well, it, it, there is, and, you know, you kind of throw a, another sidebar in there. You know, he really just finished moving. Um, matter of fact, when when we did the interview today, I mean, it was kind of one of those deals to where he's still unpacking. So you can imagine moving from Del Rio, Texas, on Lake Amstead, one of the top obviously fisheries uh, in the country, but all the way up to Coleman, Alabama, and throwing that into the midst of trying to get ready for the cup and, and tournaments and things like that and really keep your head in the game, just, I, again, I think says a lot about his maturity as an angler. Well, I know he's not going to be happy after a couple of weeks of living up there either. <laughs> he's not going to find any decent text match. Yeah, exactly. You know, exactly. It's a totally different world, Jerry. Yeah. Welcome to Alabama. <laughs> you know, but Alabama, honestly, that's a that's a tremendous. Uh, there's a lot of big bass in Alabama. Oh my gosh! I mean, if and if you look at the the, the lakes that are around there, 
you have a you know you have the opportunity to fish for smallmouth, you know spotted bass, largemouth, the grass, the offshore structure, and it's centrally located, so mm-hmm. it provides kind of a hub, you know, in his personal career of being able to be dispatched to the north, to the you know to the south, east, or west. Whereas Del Rio, you know, like he said, it was a 25, 26 hour drive, regardless at the shortest end of it, you know, to where he went. So, uh, you know, we wish him certainly the best of luck, and um, I mean, I, I thought he did a, a good job on the interview. Yeah, he did. What a, and he seemed like just a really neat guy. Very much so. You know, there's right. no black and white there. There you go. All right. Well, thank you, Jerry. Folks, we need to take another break. When we come back, we're going to hear from Troy Heckman from the CBA, which stands for, Aaron? Collegiate Bass Anglers Association. CBAA. So we'll be right back on the edge. You've got the truck. You've got the toys. Now it's time to get the hitch that gives you more time to play with both. It's the tow and stow receiver hitch by B&W. You want options? Select the ball size, adjust the height to level the trailer, or stow it out of the way in just seconds. It's 10,000 tow and pounds worth of durability, convenience, and the latest technology that has made B&W famous. The tow and stow receiver hitch by B&W. Call 1-866-BEST-HITCH. Welcome back to The Edge, the official podcast of Bass Edge. All right, we are back on The Edge, and for this week's Inside Edge edition, joining us once again is the president of the Collegiate Bass Anglers Association, Troy Heckman. Troy, uh, again, thank you for taking time out of your schedule. Hey, not a problem. As always, uh, it's a pleasure to be with you guys. You know, Troy, I, I've, I've got to tell you, I had the opportunity to get up close and uh, and really have some experience with the members of uh, the Collegiate Bass Anglers Association uh, this past week. And, you know, it's very, very reassuring to see the impact and the effects that the Collegiate Bass Anglers Association are having on these young men and women. Well, we certainly thank you for the the kind words there. Our constituency is just an awesome group. It's uh, their excitement, enthusiasm, and energy is just infectious. And it's one of the uh, driving forces that keep us doing what we're doing. Well, and, and, you know, I, I think you bring up a good point there because, you know, in particular, uh, worked with uh, Matt Monroe and then also uh, John Van Dam. Uh, did, actually did some filming with them, uh, some video tips, and actually be shooting uh, an entire Bass Edge episode. But there's something to be said about how that they have their head on, on straight. You know, when I look back when I was 19 or 20 years old uh, at that point in time, you know, they are very aware that... Uh, you know, college participation, not only from the standpoint of getting that degree, but also just the benefits that the Collegiate Bass Anglers Association has on being able to compete and get involved with the outdoors, specifically in this case, you know, bass fishing. Oh, I, w- I would agree. I know when uh, we had, uh, were fortunate enough to work with John and Matt as they developed their club up there at Western Michigan, and what their overriding theme was about, you know, how do we work this around our academics? I mean, their heads are on straight. They know that they're in college for a reason, and their primary the primary reason they are there is to prepare for their professional careers, you know, afterwards. But they are very uh, appreciative of the opportunity and opportunities that allow them to fish while they're in school. So they are uh, glad glad you had a good time with them. Oh yeah, it it was it was truly a, a pleasure. And you know, I also got an email from uh, Drew Sanford there at Drury, and just to see that the you know the leadership you know for instance shot an email and said, hey, we've got this event that we're trying to get going uh, for 2009. Uh, they're out of Drury University in Springfield, and very articulate, uh, very thoughtful 
on what the, what they're doing. And to me, that is the benefit of the Collegiate Bass Anglers Association. It's less about, you know, how many pounds of fish can we bring into the weigh-in, but it's about kind of the culmination of all the factors that are involved in, in being a, you know, contributing citizen. Oh, yeah, there's uh, so many things that uh, go into round, rounding out a person, you know, total development. Uh, of course, the academic classes and, uh, you know, the homework and uh, that, that part of it is definitely a big piece. Uh, you know, like they are very, very well spoken as, as as a whole. You know, you're fortunate enough to uh, you know do some personal work with John, Matt, and Drew. And I tell you, they are just uh, very I don't want to say status quo, but they are a solid representation of the, the members of uh, that that we've been able to work with and that we do work with on a daily basis. Well, no question there, and, and you know, one of the things I, I kind of get tickled about, uh, I mean, actually working with them uh, makes me feel younger, and, uh, you know, so it's a lot of fun. But, you know, speaking of, of what's coming up and all the many things that, you know, you think that the summer's getting hotter, and, and that's the reason for uh, the CBAA to be slowing down, but that's not the case at all, because from what you're telling me uh, a little bit earlier in our conversation, you know, things are rocking and rolling. Oh, things are, I don't think we ever, ever, ever have a slow time anymore, um, you know, the summer is, you know, probably technically um, winding down, but CBA efforts on team development and uh, helping teams, you know, get geared up for the fall semester. Uh, you know, some of the schools that we've talked to says so they 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 start back in uh, almost ten days, I believe. It yeah, is. I so mean, it, uh, it, it seems like the um, summers are getting shorter. Oh, it is. It is it used to be late. You know, I remember when August used to be summer. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, <laughs> You know they're gear, they're gearing up. Uh, you know, but it, it's, it's a good time. It's a, it really keeps us focused on what we're doing, and as we work toward you know tweaking programs and developing new programs for the uh, Collegiate Bass Anglers Association members and for uh, you know just uh, you know collegiate angling in general. It's uh, you know there's it, there's no slow time here. Says so we're we're. we're Happy to do what we're doing. Uh, we're working on it very hard for the, for the young men and women. So, who are some of the, uh, the the new universities that are coming in that you've seen come across your desk recently? Oh, uh, just uh, off the top of my head, uh, you know, we got West West Virginia universities uh, gearing up. Uh, a couple days ago, we got a contact at Duke University, so we're definitely making some waves in the Ivy Leagues. I know um, uh, recently we've done one at Princeton, and I believe it was uh, also Colgate. So, it's uh, hopefully we will do something something special for the Ivy Leaguers as well. But there's a lot of uh, you know uh, two-year schools and junior colleges that have uh, been coming on. I think just in the last, you know, I think since the last time we talked, we're looking at somewhere in the neighborhood uh, 12, 14 new club contacts, and I know we've been getting them coming in uh, daily this week as things are gearing up for the fall. So we're we're excited about the opportunity and uh, what lays in store for these young uh, men and women. Well, one important factor I think to point out there too also is the fact that if you're a student or uh, maybe the parent or uncle or relative of a student that uh, you know can benefit from being involved with the CBAA is not to wait too long, because if you wait too long, you're going to be left out. Absolutely, and we try not to leave anybody out, and I think as people become more knowledgeable of what our programming are, they'll they'll see that. But it is, you, know, you never know where we're going to gonna land. We do have some, uh, you know, uh, as we're finalizing dates and locations for 2009, says we are going to have a good representation nationally, so just... Uh, you expect us to be within a close drive to you guys, and uh, you know if you wanted to develop a team, establish a team there, and need some help, give us a call. You can check us out on our website at www.collegiantbass.org, or feel free to give me a call on my cell. I'd be more than happy to talk to you, and that's uh, 574 
780-438-4390. Let well, me hear from you. That's, uh, you know, I, I think that has a lot to do with why you're successful is because you're you're available. And, you know, one of the things that I would like to point out is make sure if you know of, of students, uh, again, that can benefit from being this, I've seen up close and personal, you know, the results that this is having on our young men and women out there. So by all means, uh, if you can't get in touch with Troy, certainly get a message in here to Bass Edge. And uh, we'll be happy to point you in the right direction. Troy, my man, uh, we are, unfortunately, we are out of time. But uh, you have an event that's coming up that I want to make sure and highlight in October. Uh, yes, October, the weekend of the 11th and 12th, we are going to do our inaugural uh, Southeast Championship on uh, Smith Lake. So we're looking uh, very forward to that and uh, glad to be able to provide the opportunity for our uh, uh, Southern Anglers to participate in the Collegiate Bass Angler Association event. All right. Well, there you have it. And, uh, Troy, once again, we will talk to you a little bit later down the road. And uh, in the meantime, take care, best of luck, and look forward to talking with you next time. Not a problem. As always, Aaron, I appreciate you and uh, Bass Edge family. Wish you well and safe travels. When I'm fishing in a tournament, time is critical. I need fast, easy access to my lures. My Cook's go-to tackle system keeps my bait organized, tangle-free, and within easy reach. It installs in minutes under any deck lid, maximizing the storage space in my boat. And its durable construction lasts even through the harshest conditions. Get organized with Cook's tackle system by calling 1-888-390-8780 or online at cooksgoto.com. Welcome back to The Edge. All right, welcome back on the edge. Aaron Martin, Outdoors Dan with you, and I believe it's time to go to that little thing we both love, the listener question. Absolutely, and this one comes from Jason in McClinney, Florida, I believe is actually how you say that. And, you know, Dan, I'm going to throw this out to you because the, the question that he has, um, you know, when we were doing your radio show here not too long ago, we had a similar question call in, and I know you get to spend a lot of time on the, on the ponds and the smaller bodies of water, but basically what Jason wants to know is I live across the street, from some small ponds, and the best lures I have found for them are the Zoom Motor Oil, U-Tail Worms, and the Storm Rattle Skirtin Twin Tail Grub. Do you have any other lures that you might recommend to me that uh, the fish over there might may bite, and where could I find them? Well, you know, small pond fishing, I, that's really, to me, some of the best fishing in the world. I don't care what weather conditions are, you can usually find fish, but Aaron, you know, as we talked about on the radio show, I really, really like some of those uh, gulp products that are out now, especially the more littler, like the uh, three to four inch size, mm-hmm. and just putting them on a, like a mini spinner, uh, just a single spinner or single blade, and just going and go parallel to the bank and fish from nine to three, and uh, you know within five or six casts, you know you usually can get into some fish. Right, right, and you know I, I think that a lot of times with smaller waters, um, there's maybe this stereotype out there that you have to completely change. On how you would with a you know a larger body of water and you know what we found not only through personal experience you know fishing the ponds ourselves but also through like Bob Lusk you know those fish are still going to be related uh, to the same type of, of structure uh, mm-hmm. that they would be in a larger reservoir you know in water quality you know right now we're in the summertime and it's probably in Florida especially you know it's going to be brutally high you're gonna have some high water temperatures so again you know, I would suggest maybe starting out with, like what you said, trying some of those gold products and uh, starting out on the dam and, um, you know, seeing how that works. Yeah, and if, you don't, if you're not in the gulf, I mean, that's fine. Any, any, any like, four- to five-inch creature bait and just, you know, 
if it's not working with the spinners, uh, quarter-ounce jig and tip it with that grub and just swim it along the bottom, and you, you should find some fish pretty easy. That's the nice thing about a small lake. You don't have to go uh, driving all over the place to get into some fish. You're, you're right, Dan, and I think when you get into the subtleties and, 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 again, what we talk about, the neat thing about fishing a pond is it really focuses, or makes you focus, I should say, on finding those subtleties that's out there. And uh, another bait to possibly throw out, uh, you know, for for the purpose of the question for Jason is, you know, maybe trying a, a soft stick bait. Like, uh, you know, there's several companies that make them. You know, I think Striking has a Zero, uh, Cinco's, uh, you know, made by Yamamoto. But just throwing that out weightless so that as that floats down, you know, if those fish are holding right above the thermocline in the pond, if it is a deeper pond, then they can uh, just reach out, grab that, not have to exhaust a, a lot of energy, but uh, latch onto that. And as far as places to find them, you know, I would say any major tackle store, whether it be Sportsman's Warehouse, you know, Bass Pro Academy, um, most of those places uh, will will offer those baits. Absolutely. And, and Jason, I'm just going to tell you, when I had Aaron on, and I when uh, Berkeley was kind enough to send me that stuff, those crazy leg shads. I mean, the, the fish were just the bite on them was just awesome. But you know, I, Aaron, it you know that's the nice thing about small small body water fishing. You can usually find some hungry fish. No question. And uh, you know, sometimes it can be frustrating, just like it would. But when it turns on and changes. You know, I think there's a lot to be said for just maybe grabbing a rod or two and a handful of baits and, uh, again, trying to learn and understand what can I do to entice those fish into biting. Aaron, you're exactly right. Those are just great suggestions. And, and like I said, small body water fishing is actually one of my favorites. Hey, I can't believe it, but we're almost out of time, and we still got to remind everybody about the Bass Edge merchandise. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's out and about. Uh, one just to highlight on that is obviously, and I get to go out and try this uh, myself, is going to be for the deep fishing that I'm going to be doing, uh, but we have the, the new Electronics Deep Fishing DVD that uh, it's a sight to behold, and I thought Mike Webb uh, does just a great job of explaining how to set up the electronics and that. But everything else can be found right there on BassEdge.com, and uh, don't forget to sign up for the e-newsletter. Yeah, I actually got an email that a guy was buying them for their, all the guys in the fishing club for Christmas presents. Yeah, yeah. So, and, uh, so that was a pretty neat deal. Uh, it is a very neat deal. But, you know, um, there again, it's it's all about presenting the information, the education, because that's how we can all grow. And, and just even questions like uh, Jason sent in, you know, that, that helps us really think about it. And we learn a lot as well. So don't ever underestimate that, and that's why we always like to see the questions. Who's up next week? Next week we have uh, Collegiate Bass Angler Association member and that is jonathan van dam along with the inside edge we're going to go back with bob lusk and actually believe it or not so keep this in mind jason he's going to be talking on the topic of fishing small water so we'll get to see if our our information that we provided dan is accurate well there you go hey all right folks we need to get out of here don't forget about the e-newsletter it's always there for you plus uh brand new video clips each and every week on bassfish.com aaron you ready to go i'm ready we'll see you next time right here folks on the edge Bass Edge would like to thank the following sponsors who make the Edge audio program possible. Ditch Witch, Mother's Waxes and Polishes, B&W Trailer Hitches, MegaWare Keel Guard, Cook's Tackle Management Systems, Ardent, Rule the Water, Legend Boats, O'Reilly Auto Parts, Superstar Batteries, and the Clarks Hill Partnership of Georgia. For more information on Bass Edge, including our television show, training materials, e-newsletter, and podcast, please visit www.bassedge.com. Be sure to join us next week on The Edge.